yeah, we're back. It's Outkick's first handicapping show. Outkick bets with me, your host, Jeff Clark. I got the homie, Dan Z, here to help me break down NFL Week 6. I have five picks locked and loaded. Dan, I believe you have four picks locked and loaded, right? Yes, sir. Beautiful. And you are 64% for the year, I think. Flirting, yeah. beating around the bush of an undefeated week, but can't quite Twice. get home. Twice in a row we were undefeated going into Monday night. I think I'm just going to stop picking Monday night. It's, it's gotten me two weeks in a row. I don't think it's a Monday night football thing, though. I just think it's, you know, 75% sick. <laughs> it's, you know. Yeah, I mean, look, I went 62% last year. Uh, kind of thought regression would hit hard this year. So far, it hasn't. I'm sure it will, but right now, hey, get on the hot train before it gets cold. Yeah, dude, you're seeing the board. You're seeing the board a lot better than me. Right now, I am 13 and 12 in the Circa Million. Had another losing week. Went two and three last week. Um, Technically, I went three and two on this podcast because I gave out the Steelers with a lean to the Titans, but I submitted my picks with the Titans instead of the Steelers because I heard. Some convincing arguments about the Ravens. I was unsure what the Steelers were going to look like, whether or not they're bringing in Pickett, whether or not they're bringing in uh, or starting Pickett or Trubisky, and it just turned into your usual Mike Tomlin shitter where somehow they they pulled that game out and really no one can figure out how. Actually, it's because the Ravens wide receivers kept dropping the ball. That's, that's pretty much how it happened. But at a certain point, you, like they just win. I mean, I, I know it sounds dumb and you know, you and I are advanced analytics guys. We like to look at wins that are convincing versus like, Oh, got kind of lucky. But like every week we come back here and it's like, you know, the Steelers Browns game. Great example. Like they got two defensive touchdowns. Like that's not a quote unquote legit win. And then another one, this it's like, I, I don't know. They just, they just win games. Yeah. Yeah. Tomlin's he's a wizard. I don't know how he pulls these games out of his ass. I it, I should have just blindly followed my trends. And again, I heard I I, I probably consume too much NFL gambling content, and I heard a bunch of sharps be like, "Oh, trends be damned." And and Lamar Jackson hasn't played in the last three Ravens Steelers games, and the Steelers offense and Matt Canada and blah blah blah. And it's just like you said, it's just just. Close your eyes, bet Mike Tomlin as a home underdog, and it's yeah, it's probably going to catch. And they, they really should have lost. I mean, they were down going into the fourth quarter, down seven, and, you know, weird weird shit happened, just like every other Steelers win, it seems. Yeah, I feel like if I rewatched the game, it would make even less sense than as I was watching it live. <laughs> I don't know how the Steelers managed to, like, blow that game, because I was texting you during it, and I don't know what the hell you were doing, probably crying about not having picked the Steelers. Um, yeah. But like, what a weird game it was. Yeah, at one point it was ten to five. <laughs> yeah, I was pissed because I was like, "We don't need a safety there. Like, we need a touchdown. Like, we needed them to recover because they blocked the punt at like the ten, and it went all the way back into the end zone. They didn't recover it until it got out of the end zone. But then they got the free kick, kicked a field goal. It's like, all right, they're covering. We're in good shape. And then like, just again, just weird shit, man. Yeah, yeah, those because, AFC North games are weird, dude. I, I've pretty much. I'm, which I've, was your analysis? Which why didn't you stick to it? Like, just take the underdog, especially at home in this game. It was 
the most basic analysis. Yeah, and it cashed. And my dumb ass didn't profit off of it. Instead, yeah. I had it, a losing week. It actually pains me just hearing you talk about it. Dude, we talked about all my gambling stuff last week, and I ran really bad. This one is user error, but I had some unlucky breaks. Um, we're not going to get into all of them. Actually, we're not going to really get into any of them. We're going to just move forward with the NFL uh, week six analysis, and we'll go through. Oh, come on. You know I love to recap. Why do you always try to skip my recaps? Do you want to talk about your bets, and then I maybe we'll I'll sprinkle in some of my thoughts on my bets? I mean, I'm going to actually just get, I was just kind of busting your balls because this week I don't really have a ton. Uh, we went Bills, Jags under in London. Pretty comfortably hit that one. They tried to make it interesting at the end, which was annoying because there were like 27 points scored in, in like a five minute of game time span or six minute of game time span. But we had, you know, I mean, it was 18 points going into the fourth quarter. Analysis was sound. I mean, Bengals, Cardinals, again, pretty much everything we talked about was true and correct. Chiefs Vikings under you gave me a lot of shit last week for that, but uh, that one cashed. I just said that I'm staying away from the Vikings Chiefs entirely, and I did so. But hey, you found the the, the right spot to bet. I mean, but then those damn Packers, man, Jordan Love just really, just absolutely took a leak all over his own pants in that game. Yep, is he a mini Daniel Jones? Because if I'm correct, the Packers. Wait, are they two and three or three and two? They're two and three, right? Two and three, yeah. But two of their losses have come in prime time, and he looked awful in both of them. Like he's definitely played his best football, not in prime time. I I I came into the season being optimistic about Jordan Love and thinking he could be good. I'm pretty much sold all my Jordan Love stock. Um you know, unlike Daniel Jones, I don't know if he gets a second contract. Definitely isn't going to be at the same level as Daniel Jones, at least how he's trending. The David Bakhtiari injury definitely hurts, you know, the team or the offense. Aaron Jones can't really get on the field. That sucks. But, like, there's a big difference in watching. Because now, I mean, you know, I try to watch. Look, I try to watch as much football as I can. It's tough when teams play at 1 o'clock on a Sunday, especially because the NFL is determined to make 10 games get played at 1 o'clock on a Sunday, which is, by the way, something else we should talk about that annoys the hell out of me. They have all these windows, and they'll put, like, 10 games at 1 o'clock and 3 at 4 o'clock. It's really freaking annoying. Yeah. And Just the last... put a couple more games at 4 o'clock. And usually when they do that, at least it's a really sick game at 4 o'clock, but the last few weeks have just been stinkers. Yeah, so I get it, right? Like, the networks, that 4 o'clock game has sort of become a de facto primetime game. Like, networks try to, Fox and CBS, because they don't have island games, try to make that their game. But the problem is it's watered down Sundays at 1 o'clock. So, anyway, the point I was trying to make is I've had a chance to really watch Jordan Love the last two weeks since he's played in, in island games. And I... Like, it didn't look to me like their offensive line was bad. Like, his mistakes didn't really come as a result of poor protection or, like, that interception he threw to Robert Spillane was, and I wrote about it, like, literally one of the worst interceptions you'll ever see. I mean, through, like, what are you doing? Yeah. I watched the Manning cast for Monday Night Football, and they did a decent job of explaining it, how he thought with the play action that he ran, Spillane was going to, was going to, 
motion or, or come towards the line of scrimmage to, to defend the run, and he Here's just didn't. I, and I understand that. I understand your pre-play read. However, given where Spillane ended up, you still, I mean, if you're a quarterback, I'm just thinking about it. That guy's standing 10 yards away from you. Even if you're looking into that window, how do you not see a linebacker standing there? Yeah. And if you look at if you look at the throw, the throw is caught by Spillane at about chin level, five yards in front of where the receiver is going to be. So I don't even think it was a particularly good throw. It should have, at, at worst, Spillane should have had to reach over his head to catch it. And you could be like, all right, he thought the window was here. And he didn't see Spillane. But the fact that he threw it to almost chest height, like how is that pass going to travel another five yards without being at the receiver's ankles? I don't know. It just yeah. it was a disastrous play. And his other interception was pretty terrible. The uh even the Christian Watson one, like they they gave the broadcast gave a lot of credit uh to the defensive back who made a nice play, but Love threw that ball super late. Watson was open. Now, I get that one he had to scramble to his left. I understand that. Um, but that window closed. Like, Watson was wide open. He beat the DB. The, they they couldn't hit that window because Love had to get out to his left. But then it was closed, and he tried to make that throw, like, off his back foot. He lobbed it up in the air. He essentially let the defensive back get into that play. So they, again, they talked a lot on the broadcast, at least the main broadcast, like, oh, what a play by the by the DB. And I agree he made a good play, but Love allowed him to get back into that play. You either need to not throw that ball, throw it over, like, towards the back where only Watson can catch it or it goes out of bounds, or he needed to throw a bullet into there. He did absolutely worst thing you could do in that situation. And that's the problem I have with Love right now. Yeah. Because uh... this is not a rookie quarterback. Like, And you can say he doesn't have a lot of experience, and that's true. But we have different expectations for a guy who sat – and has been practicing at the NFL level for three years. Like he should be more ready and prepared for this moment than he seems to be. Yeah. The nuts and bolts of it is Jordan love looks like shit. And I agree with you on that. Um, hopefully green Bay figures is out, figures it out this week since it's a, it is their bye week. Um, but let's get into the NFL week six picks. Uh, we'll start with my, my, my favorite bet of the week. And that's the Carolina Panthers points bet. Our sponsor is has made the Panthers a plus 13 and a half point underdog as they visit the Miami Dolphins. I'm actually going to sprinkle on the money line. I think the Panthers uh, find a way no, to win no, this game. No, no, This is no. Carolina's Super Bowl, Dan. No, no, This no. is their Super Bowl. Their two, their no, toughest remaining no, opponents are no. the Cowboys and the Jaguars. Miami is in Kansas City next week. Then they host the Patriots division game. Patriots suck, and then they go to Philly in Week Nine. So this is an you obvious. Think the Dolphins are looking spot. ahead to Week Nine right now. They're looking ahead to the Chiefs. Yeah, in but you just time? listed the other games like that. Like that even plays into this at all, which I, doesn't. It does. It, the point is, they have they're not concerned with the Carolina Panthers. Why would they? The Carolina Panthers are besides the New York Giants probably the worst team in the NFL currently. I mean, they have they're the only winless team, but a nice little trend I found. Winless teams since 1989 as double-digit underdogs in week 6, 14-4 and 1 against the spread. Dan, you're fa- your friends, good friends with a former NFL football player. Ask him how angry the locker room is when they don't have any wins. 
Like Carolina isn't given up on the season, not through not through the first five weeks. And I'm not selling any stock in Bryce Young. I know he's looked terrible, right? And CJ Stroud looks much better, which makes the Bryce pick, Bryce Young number one overall pick, look even worse. But he likes to check down. Miami's defense is not very good at tackling. So I think his little check downs to, to Chubba Hubbard and and um and, and Sanders could work. Adam Thielen's been balling out. And I know you're a Dolphins fan. I'm not sure if you even watched the uh the Dolphins Giants game last last week, but the Dolphins and Tua make they make weird throws and weird plays. And there's a lot of motion, there's a lot of misdirection in their offense. And if one guy runs the wrong route, runs the wrong way. It could be a pick six the other way. 14's a lot. I'll take, well, 13 and a half is a lot. I'll take it and just hold on for dear life. I'm not criticizing the 13 and a half. I mean, I, I wouldn't take it, but I'm not. It, it's, I mean, the money line thing comment was the one. Like, you really think they're going to beat the Dolphins this week? Yeah, dude. Weird shit like this happens every year in the NFL. A couple years ago, a lot of survivor leagues just got crushed when the Jets beat the the Rams and the Rams were like thirteen point favorites. It just it happens every year. You have these teams that that lay an egg, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this one. This 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 idea. It feels like the Dolphins walk around like they've proven something. They they haven't. They haven't done shit. They carry themselves like an elite team, and I don't think. That confidence is is warranted, in my opinion. Now you're you're a fan of the Dolphins, albeit kind of a lukewarm fan. You're just a fan of the NFL, I think. And as you get into the gambling stuff, I don't mean to talk for you, but as you get into the gambling stuff, as you know, you like your fan your fandom kind of starts to go out the window. But what do you think about just the Dolphins or, or that idea that I just shared? I don't think they're going to lose to the Panthers. Okay. Well, do you don't you don't agree with me that they 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 walk around like they're the shit like they're they're a title contender? And it's like ah, well, I mean they are. I mean they're a title contender for sure. So uh, I don't think it's I don't. I mean I agree with you in the idea that they haven't won anything yet. I don't know that they have an attitude like they've won something, but having the attitude that like hey we're a title contender, well they should. They're very good. Fair enough. No, I. I don't I mean, disagree they're gonna, they're, that they're going to make the playoffs. Right. So like, I don't know. I mean, they're four and one. They're tied for the lead in their conference. I, I don't. Yeah, how most are they yards per play. Like, how are they supposed to act? I feel like they're going to get humbled this week, bro. I feel I'm feeling some humility, some humble I'll pie. Bet. I'll take that bet. You're going to pay me six to one. Sure. What do you want to do? How much? My. 50 to your, or my 300 to your 50. Okay. Deal. Let's talk about a game that <laughs> both you and I are on. Um, different bets, though. Not oppo. The Indianapolis Colts at the Jacksonville Jaguars. How you seeing this game? What are you thinking? Yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm sure you're on a side, and I'm on a total that... Uh... That's actually what makes this podcast interesting, right? Like you're a big 
You're a big spreads guy. I'm a big total guy. I have to be just because of the contest. That's just where my brain goes. I I do play totals in island games, but yeah. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I to me personally, just having bet the NFL more consistently over the last few years, I, I think totals are easier to handicap, quite honestly. And I think totals are actually a little more consistent as far as I've had far more games where I felt like I picked the right side on a spread and still lost than that happens with totals, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think you do a good job with your matchup analysis and like scripting how the game will play out, generally speaking. And I think that's easier to do than just who will win because like weird bounces happen. And yeah, that can affect the total. But if you nail how the game is going to play out from a sort of pace perspective and just how teams are going to game plan it, if you're good at that, which I think I am, I, I think totals are actually just a lot easier to bet. And so far this year, uh, I'm eight and three on totals. So, yes, I have a total bet on the Colts Jags game. I'm going under. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about unders. I actually had you look this up for me and I appreciate it. You do have that. Uh, you have that cool site. I don't know if you want to give them any pub, but uh, it's sure. pretty sick. Killersports.com. It's like a query tool that, I mean, you have to and you get- learn some like, I think it's SQDL, um, just query language. But yeah, you can look up trends and historical uh, historical uh, performances of teams. Yeah, it's sick because you can set the parameters to like whatever you want. And I'll be like, hey, Jeff, how are the Colts in games where the total is between 44 and 48 points? And you're like, here you go. Like, oh, shit. Yeah, cool. I've, I've been practicing at it for a few years, so I'm actually pretty quick with it for the most part. I, there are And yes. there are just like functions and things that are way over my head that I, I, I can't even get to that I'm still learning every day. So Yeah, I'm going to have you, uh, after this podcast, share your screen and like teach me how to do this because I really... Uh, anyway, sorry. I'll send you the here. manual, dude. I appreciate it. Hmm. So, uh, unders this season are hitting at 55%, which doesn't seem like a big number, but it's also buoyed by a crazy week two where there was like an explosion of offense sort of out of nowhere. Um, you and I had sort of speculated on whether or not the books just sort of over adjusted after a very low scoring week one uh, feels like the books have kind of gotten it where they want, but we're back to the unders unders are 27 and 17 in the past three weeks, 61% unders, you know, I love to bet the under because mostly because the public likes to bet over. So in this game, Colts Jags, you've got Gardner Minshew starting. I think that's great for the under. Um, Minshew's not really a deep ball threat. He's only averaging like six and a half air yards per throw this season, which is not a lot. And the Colts don't really have downfield threats necessarily. Like their best receiver, Michael Pittman, he's more of a possession guy, more of a route runner, slant type, move the chains guy. And now they have Jonathan Taylor back, plus Zach Moss went off last week. I think this is a recipe for the Colts to keep this game relatively close keep the ball close to the line of scrimmage, keep the chains moving kind of thing. Same thing. And and honestly, I don't see anything different from Jacksonville. Their offense has not been very good this year. Uh, Calvin Ridley does appear to be facing a little bit of trouble getting totally back into the swing of things after missing an entire season, which is not surprising. Um, I think people got a little too excited about his week one, but now he's just a solid receiver. Um, and plus Jacksonville just spent two weeks in London. I really think that's going to lead them to start this game slow. Another, I didn't, I didn't put any wager on this, but one thing I did consider was like an Indianapolis either first quarter or first half bet because I do think Jacksonville is going to struggle 
especially early in the game. And I also think with all that travel, I think their playbook's going to be a little limited. They're not going to be able to put in their full complement of practice and everything. They probably, I didn't look this up, but I'm sure they gave the guys a day off coming back from London. Like, hey, you know, go spend some time with your family. Go just chill at home. Get back to the clock. All of that, I think, is going to lead to a more condensed game plan. We're going to see a lot of Travis Etienne, who absolutely devoured the Buffalo defense last week. Um, And Buffalo's defense is certainly better than Indianapolis's. It's a divisional game, two teams with strong run games. The spread is close. Everything adds up to this being a really tightly contested game. I think this total is too high. 46 is actually quite high for the NFL this year. This should, in my opinion, be closer to like 42, 43. So I think we're getting three or four points of value here. So I'm going to back the under. Yeah, the only thing that I can add to your handicap for the under is Jacksonville's offense is underperforming because they're terrible on third down and terrible in the red zone. And there's an assumption that's going to tick up eventually. Hopefully it doesn't happen this game. So you're under can cash. Um, or hopefully actually it does tick up this game and just Jacksonville's defense crushes Indianapolis's offense. I'm kind of long on this one. Jacksonville's defense is underrated. Like they could play a little bit. I obviously them, them doing good against Buffalo. I think, um, helps like the public realize that they they have some yeah i i'm not putting too much stock into that game honestly um i think jacksonville had a huge advantage by being in london the week before and then buffalo having to travel there i really think that made a pretty big impact on that game so mm-hmm. i'm not i, I don't really have a lot of like i'm not putting a lot of stock from buffalo's perspective on that game or really even jacksonville's i don't think it tells us much about either team that's where i land on that that's game. fair and buffalo's travel plan was just complete shit they decided to leave and after thursday's after thursday's practice yeah and it showed us and that's kind of what i'm thinking like for this game for jacksonville coming back early like buffalo early just looked completely out of sorts like they had no plan it looked it, it looked like it um that was kind of like the coaches were like hey josh allen you know do your thing buddy it's like yeah he can sometimes but we need a plan so, yeah, like I said, I, I didn't put a lot of stock in that game. I think it's. I think what's going to be really interesting this week is that Baltimore went over to London earlier than Tennessee, and I'm curious to see if that shows up at all. I I think so. I lean. It's Baltimore pass for me in that game. It Titans are doing I the like same. The under in that game too, by the way. <laughs> Titans are these London games just go under. Like they just yeah. go under. Um. The Titans are pulling the same bullshit that the Bills did last week. They're they're traveling after Thursday, and um, the Ravens got crushed the first time they went to London, and they traveled on the Thursday. So Harbaugh's like, I am we. I learned my lesson. We're going Monday, and we're gonna get acclimated. I don't understand why they wouldn't. Like, I, I honestly, we have enough info and data. Like, aren't these teams looking to see what other teams are doing, how it plays out? I mean, Jacksonville honestly might have won that game against Buffalo because they stayed in London. Yeah. Like that might have been the deciding factor in that game. And the only pushback that I have is like Mike Vrabel really like knows his locker room, knows his guys. I kind of give him the benefit of the doubt. I think he's making an error here. But if there was one, he's one of the few coaches I beg, all right, maybe, maybe it works, right? Like if Tomlin was like, yeah, we'll travel Friday, he'd be like, eh, I don't like it usually but it's like hey he knows things like i i'm not gonna sit there and question his read on a locker room and i feel similar to Vrabel, but like all humans are the same though like it's just tough to travel on across 
to Europe on a Thursday and play an NFL football game at essentially 9.30 your time, which is already going to screw with you because you're playing at 9.30 in the morning and these guys never play at 9.30 in the morning. If anything, they play at night. Um, at worst, they play in the afternoon. So I, I don't know. I If I were them, I would be getting out there early and I'd be practicing at 9.30 in the morning Eastern time. That's what I would be doing. Maybe they are doing that, but still. For sure. Um, well, my pick in this game is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay the four points at the Jaguars. Um, I think this is interesting. Indianapolis, they don't win in Jacksonville. They've lost seven straight in Jacksonville, dating back to 2015. They met in London in 2016, and Jacksonville won straight up and against the spread. So technically, they've beaten them in eight Jacksonville and London games in a row. Um, and a lot of these games haven't even been close. Trevor Lawrence is playing better than his basic numbers suggest. He has a career high in completion rate and success rate. He's fifth in PFF grade. I think his touchdown numbers will get there eventually. And even not, I can kind of look under the hood and, and, and still give Trevor Lawrence credit. He's he's playing like an elite quarterback. Um, and I think this is funny. Do you, do you know why Jacksonville has Trevor Lawrence? It's because Gardner Minshew sucks. The year before, the year before Jacksonville drafted Trevor Lawrence, they started their season out with Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew was one in seven through the first eight games. They benched him for Mike Glennon and Jake Luton, and to bring it back full circle. Minshew's only win that year was at home against the Colts in Week One. Like it's just like a weird, it's a weird thing. Jaguars just own the Colts um, at home, and frankly, I don't think it gets better with Gardner Minshew, especially knowing Gardner Minshew is coming into the game. I mean, he caught the Titans off guard last week when Anthony Richardson went down. Jacksonville has a whole week to prepare for him. I was watching the Titans game because, again, I swapped that. For, I swapped the Steelers for the Titans last second. It was so frustrating. Gardner Minshew was playing out of his ass. He was just getting stupid lucky. It, Titans secondary sucks. There, there's some of that that goes into it, uh, but I'm higher on the Jacksonville defense, and I think they. Well, they it do had a lot to do too, because I watched quite a bit of that game. It had a lot to do with Indianapolis just being able to run at will, which you can't do against the Titans. Generally, their front four is the strength of their defense, and I think it was Zach Moss was the first hundred yard rusher they had allowed in yep. a lot of games. I don't know what the exact number was, but it, the broadcast made made note that it was. You know, it had been a while since they'd allowed a 100-yard rusher. And it just makes it a lot easier on the quarterback, especially when you're Gardner Minshew and you're a guy who's not really going to make plays. But if you have a run game that's working like that and the safeties have to come up and the linebackers have to respect it and you can use play action, um, but Jacksonville's going to be prepared for that. They're going to – I mean, I can't see Zach Moss single-handedly taking down Jacksonville like he did last week. Nope. You know, nope. So I'm on the Jaguars uh, minus four. Um, let's go to a game that you and I both have interest in, but you didn't bet it. Uh, Minnesota Vikings at the Chicago Bears. I'm mm. doing the square thing, and I'm taking the Bears after a big um, primetime game, uh, primetime win, and a misleading loss from the Vikings. I'll say that for the Vikings. They didn't cover in their 27-20 loss to the Chiefs, but they, they should have. Um, you got a little lucky by hitting your under when they pulled that defensive pass interference flag um, and, and deemed it uncatchable, which would have put the Vikings on the one-yard line and able to tie that game 27-27. So it is a square spot, but there's going to be no Justin Jefferson in this game. 
Kirk has the second lowest big time throw rate in the NFL, so he's not going to go down the field a lot in this game without Justin Jefferson. Chicago could be getting a couple of uh, defensive starters in their secondary back. Um, I think Justin Fields actually matches up well against this defense. Brian Flores loves the blitz, and Justin Fields has been getting the ball out quickly the last two weeks and has been feeding DJ Moore. Um, Minnesota's secondary isn't very good, so if he can get the ball out to DJ Moore fast, I think DJ Moore is going to make some 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 plays out here. And there's been too much movement off of the preseason priors. I mean, I disagreed with how the market um, viewed Chicago coming into the season, but they have the same record as Minnesota currently. They have the same ATS record as Minnesota currently. The preseason line was the Bears minus one, and now it's it's Vikings minus two and a half because because the Bears have looked epically bad in a few weeks. I do feel it is a bit square because a the market did move even though the Bears um, look good on prime time. But I'm gonna move forward and and just take the Bears plus the points. And I I know you might cringe at this, but I, I do think it is wrong team favored. I do. Yeah. Okay. Nothing. No, that's your podcast. I don't want to eviscerate you on your own show. <laughs> Come on. Dude, people actually like when you eviscerate, eviscerate me. <laughs> no, I mean, it, yeah, it's what you're saying, dude. It's square as hell. You're going against the rule of Dan Z. Now's the perfect time to back the Vikings. They look like trash. They lost at a big game that, you know, in front of a relatively large crowd, being that it was played on, you know, in that pseudo primetime spot. Um, most of the country watched it. And now Justin Jefferson's hurt. I think Justin Fields, especially coming off a big primetime performance, yeah, this is this is such an obvious fade, which you saw most recently spot. So I think the Vikings win this game easily. That's fair. One thing that I thought about is, what if Justin Fields was right? Because <laughs> off, the, the offense has gotten better after he's like, yo, just let, I got this. Just, just let me handle this. They're giving me too much info. I gotta play my way. I, I'm not a Justin Fields guy. We know you're not a Justin Fields guy, but just open your heart to the, to the possibility that hey, maybe he was right. He's right against bad teams. Like he can do that against teams like Washington and Denver. I'm sorry, Minnesota's not a bad team. <laughs> they they've played a tough schedule. I'll give you that. And they're the advanced analytics show. Like, look, Washington. I mean, sorry, Minnesota's not a great team. Like, I, I was, I admitted this on another show that I did. Buddy from high school started a podcast. Good dude. Uh, Let him know podcast. Hit that one up too. While you're, if you're bored, you can hear a lot about my life, and uh, I told a lot of funny stories. But one thing I mentioned was, you know, I was a little overrated on Minnesota. I, I was overrating Minnesota, but I still think that everybody else was underrating them and it's just sort of in the middle. And if you look at the advanced metrics, like they're basically the same team as the Atlanta Falcons who were three and two. And it's a bounce here, a bounce here, the fumbles. I mean, you know, you've got a terrible take about how they're just, they don't protect the football, which is such a football guy thing to say. Fumbles are lucky. They come and they go. It's it'll eventually it'll stop or they'll start recovering their own fumbles. It, it I don't buy that. I think Minnesota is a league average team that is one or two games worse in the record than they should be and deserve to be. And I don't think that fields can do his like, Oh, I'm just not going to game plan or watch any film. And I'm just going to run around and throw the ball to DJ Moore every time. 
Yeah, I mean, I disagree in the sense that I'm making the bet. I'm taking the the Bears plus two and a half. I do think Minnesota's closer to the league average than maybe a lot of the market thinks or a lot of the public thinks because they've played a tough schedule. And to your point, turnovers can be fluky. But whatever. Let's go to your next pick. Uh, Washington Commanders at the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, is Speaking this of the total? Commanders. Another total? Of course it is. Um, speaking of bad I teams. I like how your two unders aren't in any way related to the weather that's going to possibly hit the Midwest uh, or East this week. Yeah, the problem is I do these bets on Wednesday. And you just, like, it's just not... I can't predict what it's going to look like. And I've had, I've watched way too much football to see on a Wednesday, like, Oh, these games are going to be impacted by weather only for there to be nothing on Sunday. So it, I might look at relook at it on Friday or Saturday when we get a better picture. But right now I'm not willing to, to bet into yeah. the weather. Yeah, I'm with you, dude. I grew up in the, an upstate New York. I, I just grew up on meteorologists being wrong. Like yeah. four times a week. It's, it's just what happens. So Booger comes up here, Booger McFarland comes up here every week to, to work, and we usually try to get out and golf a few times. And he'll hit me on Monday and be like, how's the weather going to be on Sunday? I'm like, dude, I, I could tell you, but it'd be pointless. Like, yeah. We're way too far away. Ask me Who Sunday knows? morning. I don't know. Maybe, uh, yeah, I, I, maybe right? I'll have a good guess. Maybe like Saturday afternoon I might have an idea of what it's going to look like. But right now, just ignore anything you've seen. So that's – anyway. So – I talked a lot about this, but last year the Giants were kind of my team in the betting space because I don't feel like the market ever sort of corrected to the Giants, and I just kept winning, and they kept covering. This year, I think that might be the Falcons under. I don't see the market correcting to the fact that the Falcons hate throwing the football. And maybe it's because of Desmond Ritter. Maybe it's because Arthur Smith just thinks running is really important. Maybe it's a com- it's probably a combination, little column A, little column B. But either way... The Falcons just don't like to throw the ball. They like to run a lot. Even last week, Ritter threw the ball 37 times, and they still managed to post a pass rate over expectation of negative 8%, which is ridiculous. They were really successful in early downs early in the game throwing the ball, like had a a huge success rate throwing the ball. And they just stopped because Arthur Smith's like, hey, we don't do that. We don't throw the ball. First down. (laughs) That's a running down. Like, what are we doing? In fairness, I try to hide Ritter as much as possible, too. True. Fine. But anyway, so I really don't see why any Falcons total is over 40 points at this point. Only one of their games has even gone over 40 points, and that was the Packers matchup where Atlanta had that crazy rally at the end, which, you know, that can happen, of course. But they still, that game only went to 45 points. They haven't had anything over 45 points this season, and we're putting their total at 42.5 against the Commanders. The Commanders stink. And honestly, the Commanders are 3-2 and two to the over, but that's because of their opponents. They've allowed 33 points or more in four straight games. Their last four opponents are averaging 36 points a game. But they haven't played against Atlanta. I don't think there's a shot in hell that Atlanta scores 30 points. With Atlanta being like a slight favorite, I think it's like 2-2.5, two, two this should be a closely contested team, a closely contested game, two bad teams, two bad quarterbacks, a lot of running, easy under. Take it, book it. Yeah, Sam Owl eats way too many sacks. They have they they Great line up in shotgun. Oh, wonderful for unders. They line up in shotgun on first down eighty seven percent of the time, which leads the NFL. They're treating Sam Howell like he's Matt Stafford or like Mahomes. Like, are you 
that's that's lunacy. Like Rivera is almost asking to be fired if he's going to continue coaching that. So I think he could end up trying to run the ball some more. And I wasn't sure how to how to pro- project Atlanta's defense entering the season. They have a lot of new pieces, new defensive coordinator. Kind of like it. Looks pretty good. Like Anyamada and Grady Jarrett are are really good interior defensive linemen. I like Terrell. Easy when you only have to defend 55 plays from the opponents. I'm, Dan, I'm trying to back you up here, and you're, like, shaking your head. Like, I'm I'm on your kind of on I your side hate, here. I hate Atlanta, and I hate Arthur Smith. So That's fine, but I'm talking get... about their defense. I think their defense is actually – Well, they, he's the head coach. They invested in defense this, this offseason. They got Jesse Bates, who's probably a top 10 defensive back in the NFL currently. Uh, the AJ Terrell can play Jeff Akuda with reduced expectations is playing pretty good. They have a decent nickelback. Like I, I like their defense and Sam Howell sucks. I, I lean to the Falcons minus two and a half. I'm a little confused on why the market likes the commanders at all. It could be like a rule of D- Dan Z thing where it's like, they just got embarrassed extra time to prepare. Falcons aren't that good. All that, that all that makes sense to me, but like, they're bad. Do you do you know the uh, uh, Pro Football Reference? They do like an SRS formula, SRS thing. Do you know what that is? Have you ever seen the record? Um, it's like a it's it's like a blend of strength of schedule and point differential. Yeah, strength of record. Okay, okay. Um, it stands for simple rating system. Whatever, We're saying the same thing. Washington strength of record has the second worst SRS in the NFL behind Denver, who is one of their two wins. Like, they beat the Cardinals 17-13, right? They got crushed by the Bills. They covered against the Eagles, which I think is really kind of making them overrated. And they lost by 20 at home to Chicago last week, which matters. I I think this Washington Commander team is shit, and they're going to end up losing double-digit games this year. So Yeah, I think that Arizona game you mentioned is a good sort of barometer for how I think this game will play out. Like that's exactly what I'm thinking is going to happen. Like a 20 to 16, 17 kind of game. Wow. I, that's exactly what I see. I, I was, I looked at that game and I was like, that seems like what this is going to be. So that's again, where I think Atlanta's unders at this point until they prove otherwise should be 39 and a half or lower. So I'll take the value. Yeah. I can see just a lot of long drives that the quarterbacks end up throwing up all over themselves in the red zone or on third down, you know, Sam Howell's got a third and five on the 30 yard line and takes a 10, 15 yard sack. And it's like, Oh, all right, you're at a field goal range. This riverboat Ron shit. Like he is not an aggressive coach. I don't think. No, he was more aggressive than the other coaches like 10 years ago. And everyone's like, Whoa, yeah, no. And Arthur Smith definitely isn't because he's like, I mean, and again, it's a Desmond Ritter thing. Would you rather go for it on fourth down with Desmond Ritter or have young way Koo come out and put three points on the board? Arthur Smith almost every time is like, let's just put the points on the board. Let's get this offense off the field as quickly as possible. Yeah. So if I were to play the total, I would go, I'd, I'd tell you on the under, um, but I'm not. And I, and I prefer the Falcons. Well, you don't bet totals. I do on Island games, but you're right. Uh, Next Dan Z game, actually. Patriots at the Raiders. This this reeks of rule of Dan Z. That's all it is. I, I don't like I, I could dig into the numbers, I could give you a bunch of stats. There's no need to. Like this is the absolute quintessential fade which you saw most recently on both sides. Um 
I mean, look, the Patriots, people are talking about firing Bill Belichick. Stephen A. Smith is talking about firing Bill Belichick. Anytime Stephen A. Smith says anything about the NFL, you should just do the opposite because he only jumps on narratives that the entire public has bought into. Like that is his entire role. All he does is look at Twitter, see what's going on and go, okay, that's my take. Like he doesn't watch any football. So that's a great place to start. The other thing is that the Raiders just won on Monday Night Football, primetime game, huge audience. That makes them overrated, as you and I talked about uh, off the air. Overrated win. Jordan Love, terrible. And could Mac Jones do the same thing? Yeah, he could. And that's why they call it gambling. It's not a guarantee, of course. But the Raiders were not impressive in that win, I don't think. And Garoppolo just happened to make a few less mistakes than Jordan Love. But he still made his mistakes, so... I love that Bill Belichick is under scrutiny. I think that's huge this week. I think he really wants to beat Garoppolo and McDaniels. Um, and rule of Jeff Clark, I've got the better coach with an extra day to prepare. I mean, you're talking about a Las Vegas team that just played on Monday Night Football, which gives Belichick the advantage of an extra day. I think that absolutely matters in a matchup, especially in a matchup like this, where you have such a coaching mismatch. And the Patriots played at 1 o'clock, too. So it's even like a day and a half. People don't always consider that. But if you play Monday night, you know, you're playing till 11 o'clock at night on a Monday versus the Patriots who were done by, well, and if you look at that game, they were kind of done by like 2.30. They're like, all right, we're out of here. <laughs> yeah. So they have almost an, an entire day and a half um, of rest and advantage. This is just, I I again, DraftKings has 80% of the bets on the Raiders. If the public is going against the Patriots that hard, you should look to jump on the Patriots. Now, I don't hate the analysis. Rule of Danzy definitely applies. The pushback that I have, though, is I don't think the market... I, well, I guess you're saying 80% of the money uh, or bets are behind the Raiders, so that um, that kind of shoots down what I was about to say. But I, I think most people who watched that game realized that the Raiders sucked. Like, just the Packers sucked more. But... I think your rule still applies here. My thing is I'm just – I'm completely biased on this one, dude. Like, I gave out the Patriots have the worst record at plus 1,500 earlier this season. I bet it at Circus Sports at plus 3,000. I'm, frankly, I'm just rooting that the Raiders beat the Patriots 17-16. Like, you win, I win. You know, everyone wins. That. You know, that's that's what the I'm other hoping thing, for. as you like to point out, is the look-ahead lines. The preseason line for this game was Patriots minus one and a half. Going into last week, the line was Raiders minus one and a half, and now we're at three. So we've got four and a half points of movement from the preseason line, uh, two points of, or mo a point and a half of movement in the last four days, too much movement in one direction. Yeah, and you had that weird uh, Patriots uh, Raiders game last year where they did that lateral and, and the Raiders took it back uh, to Ugh. for the walk off win. Did you have action? Didn't you have like the under in that game or something? No, I don't think so. All right. Either way, uh, you have a little revenge there, and I do agree with you that Belichick wants to beat his former offensive coordinator and quarterback, Jimmy G. So uh, sticking with Dan Z handicaps, though, a little NFC West matchup, Arizona Cardinals at the Los Angeles Rams. Um, I have a lean on the side, but what do you what do you got here? Yeah, I need everyone to ignore everything I said about unders because I'm actually going to take the over here. And I don't take a lot of overs, so you should know when I take an over, you should your ears should perk up. Eight and three um, on totals. Eight, eight and three, three on totals. So 
look, the Rams offense looks really good. Like they're, they're playing fast. They're playing aggressive. Um, I think the trade of Van Jefferson was a much bigger deal. I think than people are making it out to be Van Jefferson stinks, but it also says Cooper cups healthy. Like they're comfortable that giving him those four weeks off, like he's, he's fine. Like he's good to go. Cause you're not trading the guy who was getting a lot of playing time while he was out. If you think there's a chance of re, you know, whatever. So I, I think they're totally comfortable with Cooper cup. Hey dude, I made that. Remember that bet we made preseason Cooper cup, DK Metcalf. Yeah. You wiped it off the boards, unfortunately for you. Yeah. Um, and you took Cooper Cup, what, first in your fantasy draft, right? Uh, please don't mention fantasy. Uh, well, I, I, I'm just saying, like, there was... What happened was I took Justin Jefferson number one overall, and I took Cooper Cup coming back in a 14-team league with the 29th overall pick. I waited all... I waited the entire month of September. Finally, week five comes. I got Cooper Cup. I got Justin Jefferson. This is a big money fantasy 14 team league. And I have arguably the two best players in fantasy football on my team. I'm looking around at every other team in the league like, yo, you suckers ain't got nothing. Nobody can compete with having Jefferson and Cup in their lineup. I did it. I finally did it. Yeah. Yeah, that's your subject. And literally suffers essentially the same injury that Cooper Cup had. Dude, I got the Miami Dolphins rookie running back. You know those fools averaging 12 yards per per rush? Yes, because I have him too. I spent my entire free agent auction budget on him. It was a <laughs> horrifically bad Tuesday morning for me. Yeah, I got I got him and Devin or uh, him and Nick Chubb. Yeah. Fans. I thought he was gonna be okay. I I knew Jefferson. Cause you know, after everything went up, you know, you got the Twitter doctors. Like a lot of the Twitter doctors are like, ah, oh, he could be okay. He's never been hurt before. But I was like, I've been watching the NFL a long time. The worst thing you can see someone grab is their hamstring. Yeah. Like hamstring injuries just, they don't heal quickly. Ever. No. Ever. Like, yeah, obviously tearing your, like the, the gross knee injuries. I'm talking about just like basic injuries that you can see. Like a, I, if he had turned his ankle, I'd be like, he'll be fine. You know, or if he had grabbed his calf, like, yeah, Joe Burrow aside, but even still, like, generally, generally, calf injury, like, cat, quad, any of that, I think I would have been, like, there's a chance he'll play. I saw him grab his hamstring. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. This is a month. And they're one and four. The Lions are four and one and look legit. So I don't think there's, like, a rush to get him back. I think they're cool I don't agree with, with that. Are. I, 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 I think that's lazy analysis and bad analysis. Sorry, no offense to you, but I see it from a <laughs> lot of taken. different people. I see it. Well, I just, I see it a lot. Like this idea of like, oh, they're not going to rush him back because they're not having a good year. Like, dude, A, these teams want to win games. Kevin O'Connell is in his second year. He needs to win football games. And Justin Jefferson, he needs a big contract. And like, yeah, he's going to get it either way. But like, these guys want to play. It doesn't help your negotiating, even if you're Justin Jefferson, to not play this season or not, you know what I mean? I, this idea like, oh, they put him on IR to not rush him back. It's like, no, not really. I mean, it's just what you have to do. He's going to have – I knew it. As soon as he grabbed his hamstring, I'm like, he's out of month. He's out of month. Like, you just okay. – you don't come back from hamstring injuries. Hamstring is one of those muscles that the re-injury factor is ridiculously high. It's exactly what they did with Cooper Cup. And same thing with the Rams. Like, 
the Rams put Cooper Cup on IR before the season started. So you're going to make the case that like, oh, they don't want to rush him back because they're not going to be good this year. They had no idea what their team was going to be this year. But they were like, we got to sit him for four. Like, you just yeah. have to. He went, he went in the first round in a lot of fantasy leagues, and with the I think there was an expectation for football fans that he would play, and I think the Rams, not saying that they were like tanking or didn't have high hopes with their team, I was like, I think they just want to play it safe with Cooper Cup, and I feel like it's similar. Like, I was more piggybacking on your analysis, which was much stronger than, than mine. I agree, like hamstring is a that's a lingering injury and as soon as it was a hamstring it was he was going to be shelved for weeks i'm just like piggybacking with some square play it shit safe. but see the thing is like play it safe i guess it de- depends how you define that my thought is their record doesn't play into this at all like whether they're one and eight when he whatever like okay. it, when he's healthy and ready to play he will be on the field they're not going to be like oh you know he's only 90% and we're one and eight. So he's going to sit like, no, when he's healthy, he will be on the field. Like, that's all I'm trying to say. I just think they know it's yeah. going to take four weeks for him, like minimum four weeks for him to be healthy. Yeah. I guess a better way to put it is they're probably playing the long game with Justin Jefferson. It's like, he's, he's going to be like a corner stone of the franchise and they don't want a serious injury, which maybe a hamstring could lead to, but we're all, we're saying the same thing or similar things. I agree with your, initial analysis but back to the cardinals rams do you do you think the cardinals because they've been getting some big plays they don't have a lot of efficiency but they they get some some big plays so how much of the work or how much do they chip in on the on the over here i think a decent amount i mean without james connor they're really gonna have to lean on i think that actually helps the over believe it or not because james connor is like kind of an inefficient running back i don't like him giving him the ball a lot just you know, it's three yards and the clock runs 40 seconds. Bad, bad for unders. I actually think him being out is great because I think, you know, everyone's trying to figure out, especially back to fantasy, like, oh, is it going to be because there's this big scuttlebutt now that everyone ran to pick up um, or Kari and then I they listed him. and then they I listed they listed Keontae Ingram as their starter. I actually think I saw this. Someone was like, yo, y'all are forgetting who's really going to benefit from this. And that's Rondale Moore, who is averaging like 13 yards a carry like they've been designing like jet sweeps and, and they've been putting him in the backfield a little bit he's he's had six carries the last two weeks i think there's a chance there's going to be like five to six five to eight rondale more carries in this game or just getting rondale more the ball um you know as an extension of the run game quicks like they they know they need to get rondale more the ball and so i think he's going to benefit a lot from this and again i think that only serves to help the under because Unlike James Conner, who's extremely inefficient, Rondale Moore is extremely efficient with the ball in his hands. Um, and I also like the fact that the Rams are heavily favored here. I expect them to win by a, a solid amount. And I think there's going to be some definite – this might be one we sweat to garbage time, but I do think we get to a situation where it's possible the Rams are up like, you know, 31-13 to 13 and we get that late touchdown to make it 31-20 and we hit the over. But again, however we get there, I think we get there. Yeah, I, I think the Rams are going to put up a minimum of 30 on the Cardinals. I'm just worried, worried if the Cardinals could could chip in. And they they kind of have that that effort mode mentality where they're going to do like trick plays and gadget plays to try to get their points. They they, they know they need to. Um and I I I mean I've been high on the Rams for the whole offseason. So Cooper Cup really didn't miss a step in his week 1 return. Puka Nakua is a strong number two wide receiver. Stafford looks good. And 
and I don't really know how how good the Rams. I don't really know how good the Rams' defense is, to be honest. Like, I'm not sure. Um, You know, they got crushed by San Francisco. They played well in Week One against Seattle. They played well against the Bengals, but sort of everyone did. Gave up 23 points to the Colts, 23 to the E. Like it, it's a hard defense to figure out. So I don't know what we're gonna get from their defense. But again, I suspect this will be a fairly high scoring game. The Cardinals are a sneaky over team, by the way. There's only three teams in the NFL that have had at least four games go over the total this year. Arizona's one of them, along with Chicago and Denver. Bad teams tend to go over, believe it or not. Yeah. This has to be one of the uh higher totals of the weekend, right? You get, you're playing it at 48 and a half over. Yes. And I believe you are correct. Although I would imagine it's the chiefs Broncos over. That's gotta be high. Oh, it's less. It's 47 and a half. Yeah. It dropped from 51 and a half. Cause of the, the, the weather forecast. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. I was going to say that total seems low to me. Um, yes, there are other, oh, there are two games that are 48 and a half. Your Dolphins Carolina game that you think Carolina is going to win, uh, which I love. And then the uh, Cowboys Chargers is 50 and a half, which I think is high, but I'm I'm not I'm sticking to my guns and not betting Monday Night Football this week. Well, we're actually going to talk about that game uh, at the end, but um, a game that both you and I have action on, I believe. Yeah. Do you? No, maybe no, it's I'm just done. me. Yeah, yeah, you're just you're done. I'm sorry. Um, Seahawks at the Bengals. I am going to uh, take the points with the Seahawks. Um, we both cashed on the Bengals last week, minus three. Thought it was an ultimate buy low spot. We were right. They got Jamar Chase the ball. He ripped Arizona's face off. That was pretty awesome, especially as a Bengals backer. But that offense really didn't look that good outside of throwing it to Jamar Chase. Like they actually got outgained in yards per play by the Arizona Cardinals. And you're giving um, Pete Carroll extra time to prepare. They're coming off their bye week. That secondary has some dudes in there. Tariq Willen could play. Devin Witherspoon, um, you know, was the first cornerback, I think, off the board in the NFL draft. Jamal Adams played for a few minutes before getting concussed against the Giants. But I, I still think he's a difference maker. Old man Bobby Wagner is still a top five linebacker in the NFL. Um, and again, I don't think the Cincinnati offense looks that good. They're going to, they're going to force it to Jamar chase. Jamar chase could do his thing and we'll probably have some nice numbers, but I think in a pretty one dimensional offense, Pete Carroll is going to be able to do enough to get them off the field. Cincinnati's defense is terrible against the run. And like Pete Carroll has been getting clowned for years that he likes to run the ball too much. Remember that whole Rhett, let Russ cook. BS. Well, he's got a good matchup for Kenneth Walker here, uh, the the Seahawks running back. So I think that Seattle's going to get their run game going. I like how their defense matches up with Cincinnati. And um, plus three looks like kind of a sketchy line, in my opinion, if if you like the Bengals, right? I think a lot of people are like, oh, the Bengals got right, put up 34. Now they're only three-point favorites at home against against Geno Smith. I mean, I, th- I think it's three points for a reason. So um, I'm, I'm going to take it with Seattle. I'd love to know if you can look up Pete Carroll or the Seahawks playing at one o'clock on a Sunday. I'd be curious about that number. I don't know what it is. I'm not trying to lead it like, oh, I, I know what it is. I don't. I'd just be curious. Um, if you can talk about this game a little bit more, I might be able to find it. Yeah. I mean, I kind of like your head on it. I, 
I'm not going to bet against the Bengals. I, I have a hard time betting against the Bengals. Um, it's kind of like your whole thing with the Patriots and just sort of wanting them to lose. I had the Bengals as my AFC champion in the preseason. It, I, I can't root against them, but I do. I don't like that line. I would not bet the Bengals minus three. I, I agree with you that them being minus three against the Cardinals and having the exact same line against the Seahawks, especially coming off their bye, feels wrong. I get that they went from home to away, but even still, it it doesn't feel like a good line uh, to me. So I, if I was trying to be as objective as possible, I would agree with you that Seattle plus three is, is where I would lean. All right. You almost gave me enough time. Um, I tried. I, I tried to stretch it. I know. I know. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I might be I able can to talk see. about the total. Um, no, no, no. Hold on. I'm going to hit the enter on this right now. So, man. Doesn't even seem right. Oh, okay. So, start time, 1 o'clock Sundays. Since 2010, Pete Carroll's first day, uh, first first year in Seattle, they're six and six straight up, five six and one against the spread. Okay, nine and three to the to the over, which is interesting. But this is I assume this is the East Coast, so they've only played twelve one o'clock Sunday games. Right, that doesn't feel right. I'm thirteen years. I feel like I'm searching it the wrong way. But like the start time, if it's because they usually, you know, they're West Coast teams, so they usually play different, you know, like a different start time than I don't know, I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm querying it wrong. I have to wrap my brain around it better to 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 dial down the search or dial into the search. But whatever, that's 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 the numbers that I pulled. Um, final game game um, or spot you're staying away from, even though I know you like the Chargers. Um, but because it's Monday Night Football and you ban Monday Night Football games, I'm expecting you not to at least give out a public play, but you'll probably bet it come Monday. Cowboys at the Chargers. This feels like another – this situationally, this is another square bet, but I'm taking the Chargers um, plus two. I'm going to use that corny saying again, wrong team favorite. Justin Herbert as a primetime underdog, 6-1 and one against the spread. I truly believe Dallas's defense is overrated. They got crushed by San Francisco. Arizona put up 28 and they got their like market power rating by beating up on the Giants, which we know doesn't even matter cuz the Giants are terrible. Beating up on the Jets and Zach Wilson's first start of the season and crushing the Patriots who maybe have the besides the Giants the worst offense in the NFL. Um Kellen Moore's really helped this Charger offense. They're sixth in yards per play, sixth in EPA. Um, and I think Dak is kind of low-key below average. You know, he's below average in a lot of quarterback metrics, including um, like yards per pass. He's not really going down the field very often. That's even with C.D. Lamb. He has one 300-yard games. Uh, one 300-yard game in his last 19 regular season games as the fourth lowest A dot in the NFL. Like he's not pushing the ball down the field. You give me Justin Herbert at home. Granted, there's going to be more Cowboy fans in there, but I, I love how this team plays, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take him here. So I'm on the Chargers plus two. Any any thoughts on that? 
I've been Googling uh, Seattle Seahawks 10 a.m. And the first thing that comes up is an article from the Tacoma News Tribune that says, Pete Carroll travel ways to fix Seahawks 10 a.m. problem. So I have a feeling they're not great at 10 a.m. I also found an article that showed it was from 2017 that showed they had played 26 10 a.m. games between 2010 and 2016. So there's no way they've only played 12 <laughs> in the last 13 years because they played 25 in that span. So it's probably you it should be around 50 games. So if we can get that number, I'd love to see it. Yeah, well, Is all it, you listening at home, go practice on KillerSports.com, and you tell me how to query. Because I had it, well, I, I had it in my head that they aren't good at 10 a.m. You might be right, and I uh, looked at a lot of different angles in that game and uh, couldn't didn't really focus on that one. If I'm being honest, hopefully, hopefully they'll be better prepared considering they had a week off. Yeah, and I wonder. That that would be interesting to see if, like we talked about with the London game, like no re- with especially with a week off, no reason not to travel to Cincinnati on like Monday or Tuesday, and just be there. Yeah. And they might be. That might have been what the article was, but I don't know. I clicked on it, and it was one of those things where I have to sign up for the Tacoma News Tribune, and I'm not doing that. I don't care that much. There's there's plenty of arguments to make backing the Bengals here, but I'm just gonna go with the ones that I made for the Seahawks Chargers. Plus two at home against the Cowboys. You are one of the bigger Charger fans that don't live in Southern California that I know. I'm not not really a fan, but you're uh, an, almost an apologist. We'll call it. What yeah, do you that's think about the, What do you think about this game? Too much rule of Dan Z. Yeah, with the Cowboys. Yeah, that's fair. That's what I but, worry but about. What's your, I knew that was going to be a point to, that you you would make, or that's an obvious point, but. Do you have anything else? Because I really no. don't. Yeah. Cowboys aren't that good. They're not. I mean, their wins aren't impressive. Like, the Giants are terrible. The Jets suck. The Patriots suck. They got crushed by the by the Niners. I did see our uh, outkick leader, Clay Travis, actually made a really good point about the Cowboys, where he was like, why don't the Cowboys ever just look like an average team? They either look like a Super Bowl contender or number one overall pick contender. Like, that's it. There is no in-between. They either look amazing or fucking horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So which week is it? But then it's like when it comes to betting them, it's like, well, what's it going to be this week? Because I was on Dallas last week against San Francisco, and they burned me badly. They never showed up. No. Yeah. They're completely outclassed. But, like, I try to make an argument for both teams. Like, any any – you know, handicapper also, that's been doing it a while will will do, and it's the only one that I can come up with for the Cowboys, like, eh, it's. I like I love Mika Parsons. Obviously, he's a Penn State guy, and he says what he thinks and he says what he feels, and I'm all I'm all for that. But like, you can't come out after a game that you got beat forty two to ten and be like, they don't want to see us again. Like, now might not be the time to say that. Like, I would probably <laughs> just, I would just skip it. Like, yo, yeah. we got our we got our asses whipped. Like. Maybe like we hope to see him again so we can pull because we know we can do better, something like that. But like to be like they don't want to see us again, and then Debo's like, Yeah, we do. <laughs> and it'll be yeah. worse. <laughs> I mean, it all worked for the Niners. There was nothing that didn't work for them that game. But yeah, I mean, the only pro cowboy argument I can make in the spot as well, they just got embarrassed on prime time and you, you usually back a team coming off of those games. Other oh, than that, it's like I don't I don't have anything. This is crazy. I finally, so I, I found one of those workarounds so I could read this Tacoma article. 
According to them, the Seahawks are 23 and 9 straight up in their last 32 10 a.m. games. They've won 15 of their last 18 at 10 a.m. Beautiful. Hey, I feel even better about it then. I'm taking the three. So <laughs> they don't even have to win this one. They just got to keep it close. This is so. Uh, let's see. It says he flies. He flies in one day earlier than most teams do. I made this comp with my brother the other day. Pete, we're we're back on this game. So, you know, your pushback from the the Cowboys Chargers is pretty obvious. So we don't have to harp on that. But, like, Pete Carroll's kind of Mike Tomlin-y. Like, they won. They have eight double-digit wins in his 14 years there. They have nine, two others. One of them that they went under 500. They won the – it was his first year where they won the division and beat the Saints in the playoffs. Like, he's – you kind of know what you're getting with Pete Carroll. They're going to be a good team. They're going to be tough out. I mean, you have 14 years of proof on it. So, I don't know. I've, I've made all my pitches on my five picks. Lean Falcons, lean Rams. Got your four picks. We're going to get over to Scott Martin and hear his picks. But we've done good work here in NFL Week 6. Plug where people Always. can find you. Outkick.com, baby. Hit me up. Yeah. And you're on a podcast. What's the podcast again that, you, uh, that you're, you're, you're a guest of? Let them know. All right. Check that out. Um, but let's get over to the Bark and Dog segment with the homie Scott Martin. We're back with the Bark and Dog segment featuring Fox News and business contributor Scott Martin, a.k.a. Scotty Markets. It's NFL Week 6. Scott, what's your model say today or this week? A lot of great things. It says a lot of things every day. It says a lot of things every week, Jeff. And it says a lot of things that seem like they've been really easy this year so far, especially on the square side, man, are starting to uh, maybe turn a little bit. Let's put it this way. If it's been such a square kind of environment so far this year that is likely to change as we've seen every year. So, so far I'm liking a lot of the dogs, man, that are out there barking rabbit hurt at the veterinarian and looking to get healed here as we come into gosh, man, already what week, uh, week five, I guess my goodness, week six rather. Ouch. I can't even count the weeks. They're going so fast, but I think there's a lot of good ones out there today, man. Yeah. You, you mentioned something before we started recording. That's an interesting topic to discuss amongst us football handicappers, which is seems like the square teams or the square bets are, are cashing more than the sharp ones this year. They really are. And, and it's been pretty amazing because a lot of the bets that have been cashing have been very heavily public. So that's one thing to think about. And two, a lot of them to me, Jeff, have had just these spreads out of Vegas that, that just look, they're, they're too easy for the public. I mean, some of these spreads have been absolute gifts. And luckily, on the Barking Dog segment until last week when we've been positive all week and we went one and two last week with this segment picking the three uh, loving uh, picks that we have here. It's like some of these picks or some of the, the the picks that the public has made have been absolute washouts. I mean, they have been, you know, looking at stuff like the Dolphins, um, looking at picks against the Patriots. You know, some of these teams that are out there getting absolutely smoked. The Lions, too, have been covering like crazy, covering like a rug. I mean, these are heavily public favored teams, teams that the public is absolutely in love of. And Vegas keeps giving them gifts. Yeah. And your model, and you personally favor 
underdogs. You like taking the points. But the two or maybe three favorites you've given out in the Bark and Dog segments have all cashed. And what's funny about those favorites too, Jeff, is those have been against the public uh, liens. So it's been looking at those capital flows and the money flows and seeing where the public is piling on. And so in those cases, the publics have picked the dogs in the sense of they picked, they've taken the points, but it's actually the favorites that have been less favored by the public. And therefore those have been the spread side or the, the, the Vegas side. So we've been on those, which have been great. And they've been kind of public dogs, if you will, but favorites like you said in the overall spread mechanism yeah you've capitalized on overreactions uh, from the sports betting market if you remember week two you laid the points at the bills hosts and the raiders after everyone overreacted uh to them losing to the jets on monday night football on september 11th and then you did similar last week with the cincinnati Bengals, a game both you and i cashed on um against the arizona cardinals Bengals. Looked like crap during last week. Yes. Ba- uh, Burrow right. was dealing with a calf injury, and they they came through and hung thirty four in Arizona. They they smoked it, and the Bengals looked so good, man. They were they were really jamming that that game. And like you mentioned too, to your quick point, is like they also had a lot more film on Josh Dobbs, and they obviously reviewed it. The Bengals coaches did it and got the right scheme in mind just to stop Mister Dobbs, and they did that in the desert. And so it's funny just looking at the first pick this week, Jeff. We're actually going against our our familiar friend or foe, depending on how you look at it. I guess they're a foe this week in the Bengals by taking the Seattle Seahawks, man. Coming into Ohio, my home state where I grew up, grew up going to a lot of Bengals games with my father and uh, enjoying those games at Riverfront Stadium. Uh, nowadays, I guess it's uh, First American Field or whatever they've changed the sponsorship to this year or this week. But the reality is, is looking at the Bengals, just coming off, like you said, a really big game in Arizona, a game where the public was against them, and so they were heavy on Arizona last week, and therefore that was why we made the Cincy pick. But this week, similar setup, man. We've got the Bengals at home, returning home, theories that Joe Burrow is on the men, theories that the receiving core is is getting it together, Joe Mixon coming on a little bit here and there, and just the setup for the public to fall too much in love, too deep in love, as we all do with, with our significant others at times in our lives. We're, we're just too lovey-dovey on the Bengals, my friend. And so therefore, Seattle coming cross-country, getting on a game that's going to be early, man. I mean, this is a 1 p.m. Eastern time zone game. So this whole talk of Seattle coming all the way almost to the right coast of uh, the United States and playing in, in, in Ohio where we don't have any water, by the way, but there's some lakes and streams and things like that that I played in growing up. But just seeing the Bengals as an overvalued team here based on what the Seattle Seahawks bring both on defense and offense, maybe a similar setup with Josh Dobbs versus Geno Smith, who knows, both quarterbacks that aren't really that impressive in my opinion, but the Seattle defense is, and we know Jeff over the time that we've seen the Bengals have good games and bad games when they're getting pressure on Joe Burrow, when they're harassing him out of the pocket, when he's having to check down and he can't get downfield, that's when he's been at his worst. And I still don't think Joe Burrow is all the way healed. And therefore seeing on the public, seeing as they're on the Bengals, as they are so much here, I'm taking the Seahawks in that first round of games this week. Well, it's news to me that the public is back in the Bengals. I actually haven't looked at the betting splits, but as I talked about with Dan Z earlier, I'm on the Seahawks plus the points in this spot as well. Nice. Um, points bet has it right now a plus three, so that's where we're going to grade your uh, Seahawks bet. And it's it's a matchup uh, analysis pick for me that, that obviously favors the Seahawks here. Bengals scored 34 last week against the Cardinals, but it wasn't really that good. They actually got outgained in yards per play. And if you paid attention, like 192 of Joe Burrow's 310 rush passing yards went to Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is phenomenal. And 
he and could, on a couple passing plays, by the way, it was only like three or two or three passing plays that that racked up those yardage. Yeah. And I mean, he's awesome enough where he could rip Seattle's face off himself, but between their top 10 pick Devin Witherspoon, between Tariq Wallen, between their other Nickelback, who's pretty good getting Jamal Adams back and having Pete Carroll, um, Pete Carroll having a week off to prepare for Cincinnati. Bingo. I like how this defense really matches up. And again, Cincinnati's offensive attack really isn't that special to me. It's it's really kind of relying on Jamar Chase, and at least Seattle has bodies to throw at him. So you got agreement with me on this one. I like it, and I think they're going to pressure Joe Burrow all day, every day. They know how to get to the Bengals' offense. They know how to neutralize it. And Seattle's been doing that all year. If you look at their games, like you said, over the course of the weeks that they've been playing, they have been getting a lot of quarterback pressure. Yes, they've given up a little bit more points. I mean, they gave up 31 to Detroit in overtime. That was obviously a tough game because Detroit's got a pretty solid offense. Even gave up quite a bit of points to Carolina, the Panthers, which actually look like a college or high school team. Really, don't even want to offend any college teams. They look more like a high school team these days. Gave up 27 points to Carolina, but then smoked the Giants the week after that. So, we're looking at a Seattle team that I think can step up and neutralize the Bengals' offense and still deliver a good offensive, say, uh, projection or uh, at least at least a good offensive uh, standing to at least keep up with the Bengals. And then the defense on Seattle comes through here and I think takes this one, like you said. And they're getting points. This feels like a spread that's a little bit weird to me, Jeff, that the fact that the Bengals are favored by so much. Again, that three, which is kind of that home team advantage. I'm not so sure on a neutral field these teams are equal, but I'll take it just given where the public is so far. Yeah, it would it would seem to me that the public saw the Bengals crush the Cardinals and be like, hey, they're back. But the market's saying, eh, not 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 so fast. We're only we're only gonna favor them three here at home, given uh despite their bounce back. So again, you have agreement with me on this one. Um your next pick and, and actually your next two picks are are games that I'm staying away from. This this next game I want nothing to do with, but you're taking the points with the Patriots. You think they're going to get off the mat against the uh, Las Vegas Raiders this week. Tell me why. Well, it's a couple of things. First of all, we've got a little bit of recency bias with the Raiders and the fact, too, that we had, I, I, I guess you'd call that a Monday night win, I, I guess, against the Packers. I mean, it's more like Jordan Love probably won that game more than anything than the Raiders did. But the public still remembers that, the short-term memory of the public saying, like, oh, my gosh, the Raiders beat the Packers. They neutralized use that word again Jordan Love they put him in a bad position where he should have been performing even worse than he probably did but he still performed pretty badly and therefore everybody's kind of back on this Raiders team that seems like Josh McDaniel actually knows how to call a football game which he definitely doesn't and Josh McDaniels going against his old mentor his old boy Bill Belichick Bill Belichick is coming in to Vegas to roll the dice against Josh McDaniels and a team that seems completely lost, a team, that, a team that doesn't seem like they have any faith in their coach and Josh McDaniels, which is probably also could be said for the Patriots, but one where the public is loading up on that recency bias of the Raiders beating the Packers and of New England absolutely being embarrassed, embarrassed like a dog they were at home against the uh, Saints of New Orleans. So I think it's one of those setups, Jeff, where we just have too much public love too much public recency bias. We talk about the overreactions in the NFL, especially on teams like the Raiders and teams like the Patriots. They're both very kind of public-followed teams, especially now that the Raiders are in LV, lovely town. Guys can make a few bets out there, I've heard. So there's a whole recency bias here that I think that is a work against a team like, by the way, which I'm happy to back the Patriots here, 
whose back is against the wall? I mean, as I back the Patriots, I look at whose back is against the wall. It's definitely the Patriots because if the Patriots come to this game and blow it again like they have been, don't get me wrong, all year, Belichick might be canned right after the game. I mean, who knows? Because there seems to be no rhyme or reason other than the fact that Mac Jones isn't very good and some of the offense is completely clueless for the Patriots to be doing this poorly. So it's one of those situations where I want those three points. I think it could be a close game. It could be a field goal game at the end of the uh, day or end of the game there. But I want the Patriots plus the points just vis-a-vis what the Raiders aren't and what they're possibly perceived to be by the public. Yeah, um, Belichick's seat is definitely getting hotter. I don't think he gets fired uh, by Robert Kraft. Maybe maybe at the end of the year he does, or they come to a mutual understanding and part ways. I got to be honest, though, I'm biased here because I gave out the Patriots to have the worst record in the NFL preseason wow. through our previous sponsor at DraftKings at plus 1,500. Dude, I got it at Circa Las Vegas for plus 3,000. So I have a nice little ticket that's that's – Definitely getting some closing line value. The um, adjusted win total for the Patriots are is five and a half right now, so they're getting they're getting beat up on. I'm hoping that the Patriots lose twenty two twenty one, so you can hit your bet and I can keep my uh, my Patriots worst record bet rolling along here. Um, hey man, we deserve that too, Jeff, and I hope that works out too. And also, you got some hedging possibility now with those amazing odds on the Patriots. Because watch out for my Vikings bringing up the rear in the NFL this year because, my goodness, they look terrible as they did against Kansas City. But one quick thing about the Patriots and Raiders matchup, I mean, everybody thinks Matt Jones stinks so bad, which he does. I mean, you look at him in the pocket, look at him rolling out, he looks super uncomfortable. He doesn't look like he had kind of that same pizzazz or that same kind of energy like he did last year, nice even in his rookie right year. But he looks like trash. But guess who else looks like trash, man? Jimmy, the, the cutest guy in the NFL, Garoppolo. I mean, did you see Garoppolo on Monday night? He looked terrible in the pocket, completely uncomfortable. The balls he's throwing look awful in the air. They look like even worse than ducks. I mean, they look they look like rabid dying dogs in the, in, in the air. I mean, like young, young, young dogs that can't even walk down the field, those balls. And so you look at the comparison on the stats side of things. I mean, there's nothing really that exciting about the Raiders offense or the passing game vis-a-vis what the uh, Patriots bring to the table here. Did you just say Jimmy G's throwing dead puppies through the air? Well, let's say injured puppies that are likely to get back to health with a trip to the veterinarian. How about that? Yeah. So we don't get attacked yeah, on the no, internet. Yeah, we don't want PETA coming after us for sure. And and hey, we love dogs. This is a pro dogs podcast. I have a, a Boston Terrier. So um, your matchup analysis, though, bro, is is spot on. I, I can't poke any holes in it. Um, this is definitely a spot to back the Patriots and fade the Raiders off of a very misleading Monday Night Football win. I just can't do it for all the aforementioned reasons. Um, but your final pick in this get-right week, again, week five is your only losing week. You still cash one of your three bets. You're still 9-6 and six on the season, so making our listeners money, making me money. What's your final pick here in this get-right get week? This last one is tough. This is a dog that's very hurt, uh, at least as far as the setup here, a dog that definitely needs uh, some cortisone and some other things, um, including things that may not be developed yet as far as healing. But I think we're going to find them on Sunday because here's the thing, man. We're taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are hosting the Detroit Lions, Tampa Bay, plus about three. So they're a home dog giving as you, well as a public dog. Giving you yes. three and a half at points bet. So you get three and a half. I get love the hook. It. Yeah. Love your points bet. And I will take that all day long and maybe even buy that up to a four because here's the thing, man. This is a game where the Bucks have been – up and down, let's say. I mean, on, on, on offense, they've been you know three and one team, but still on offense, they've been kind of looking, it looks like, for a little bit of identity. Um, defense has been a little bit better than I think a lot of people expected. 
And frankly, they've only had one loss, and that was Philadelphia at Philadelphia. And they lost by 14 points, and that game was actually a little bit closer than it looked on the on paper. So I think it's one of those things where the Lions, Jeff, come in, absolutely public fave, covering spreads like it's nobody's business, blowing teams out like they're in high school. I get it. Running up the score, doing whatever. Dan Campbell seems like the genius on the sidelines. Jared Goff, I know he's like uh, a quarterback from, I think, the area out by you in SoCal. But, man, he's running all over the field like he's on, on the beach in California, Huntington Beach, Laguna Beach, wherever he wants to be. And he looks awesome. But some of these things, man, happen in the NFL, and they happen at some point. Not even some of them. They happen all the time where you get to a point where there's just these get-down games. There's these games where these teams show up flat-footed, these home teams that are dogs, these home teams that need to win more than, say, the, the visiting team. And certainly Tampa Bay fits into that role. Now, I know they're 3-1 and one versus Detroit being 4-1, and one, but the reality is that this is a big stake in the ground for Tampa against, again, the heavy, heavy public favorite that is the Lions. And so even offensively, I think they can actually keep up with some of the Lions, provided some of that Bucks defense keeps stepping up and keeps putting pressure on the quarterback, keeps collapsing that pocket, stopping the run so that the pass doesn't get set up. And that's where I like the Bucks on Sunday to take this one in the second round of games. Yeah, I was neutral on the Lions coming into this season, but they look legit beating the Chiefs. Impressive. Impressive. Uh, beating the Chiefs, smacking around the Falcons. I forget who they – oh, they crushed the Panthers last week. Embarrassed Just, them. Yeah. Um, Played with them like a puppy, kind of. Yeah. Jared, Jared Goff, I think, is the highest-graded quarterback in PFF and and fringe MVP con- contender right now. Three touchdowns, three picks, 20, uh, 12, 1,250 yards roughly on the, on the air. So, great. I'll say this, though. I'm also higher on Tampa Bay's defense in the market and was coming into the season. Baker is kind of on his last hurrah here. This is this feels like the final team he'll be um, allowed to be the starting quarterback for. And, frankly, he looks awesome. He's playing well with them. He's got he does. Receivers. He looks comfortable. Yeah, he's got receivers to work with. Um, again, they're getting they're getting extra rest, extra prep time. Um, and Detroit's obviously just coming off a game. So, again, this is another matchup and, and situational uh, spot where, where I lean towards the Bucks in your pick here. But I can't get to the window on it just because Detroit put the fear of God in me. They, they, look, they look good. They do. So you're, you're a braver man than me, and really that's kind of how you make money betting on the NFL is taking these positions no one really wants. And so I envy you. For back in the Bucks, getting the three and a half is definitely nice, but I'm I'm not going to follow you on this one. I'll be rooting. I'll be rooting for you. Hey, that's all I can take, man. And you know what? I mean, Dan Campbell talking about fear of God. I mean, seeing him in a dark alley scares me too because he's just a monster of a man, and he's got the team believing in him, which is great. But listen, man, I've seen Dan Campbell coach before. I've seen him, you know, before he was in the Lions, and seen him now on the Lions as a coach, and he's had some stinkers. He's had some downbeats. And it just feels like this is one of those positions where everybody's on the Lions, and this seems like an easy spread. It's three, and maybe three and a half, some places, whatever. The point is, is that this is a stand. This is a standpoint game for the Bucks. It's the home game. They're at home. The Lions are coming in off that big win on the Panthers and a couple other big wins. The big win at Green Bay on on, on Thursday night, the the week before. There's just a lot of things going on in that Lions machine that portend at least a little bit of over public say confidence, public overconfidence. If I put that right. And nobody's talking about the Bucks. Nobody's talking about the fact that they're undefeated at home. And I think they can take this one outright, not just even with the points. Well, hey, again, uh, you're a braver man than me, fading these Lions. But the market's going to catch up to them eventually. And this could be another one where it's a close game and goes either which way. And the three and a half is good enough. 
good for me. Yeah. All right, man. Well, let's get right this week. I need a winning week. You need a winning week. I need a three and O week, man. We've been so close to these three and O's until last week, one and two. And I was scared, obviously out of my boots on last week. Cause we were just going against us. But like last week was a really tough week, a pretty heavy square week. But I'm telling you, Jeff, we've seen this in the NFL. You and I have been there, man. Things correct. The spread corrects. Vegas corrects. The public hurts. And so I think we're heading our way and we start this weekend. Yeah. As corny as it sounds, you just trust the process, keep grinding, keep getting in the lab and cooking and, uh, we'll Same see, method, man. we'll see how the we'll see how the games break, uh, at the end of the week. But, um, thanks everyone for listening. Best of luck on your bets, whether you fade or follow us. Hopefully I know me, Dan Z and Scott Martin all gave you some good stuff, um, to just think about before making your bets. So follow, uh, Scott Martin at Scotty markets on Twitter. Follow me at Jeffrey underscore Clark. And most importantly, follow outkick bets at outkick bets. Until next time, peace.